Welcome to Human School. I'm your host, Dr. Patil Armenian. After four years of college, four years of medical school, four years of residency, and two years of fellowship, I thought I was done. I did my time, got my degrees, and now I was just going to live life. Well, think again. Some of my greatest schooling has come after my formal education was complete, and it keeps on coming. Join me at Human School, where we can learn together. I'm an emergency physician and medical toxicologist working at a large teaching hospital in California. I'm also a mom, wife, sister, daughter, and friend. Whether you work in healthcare or not, you too lead a busy life. Together, let's work on how we can thrive in all of our real-world roles. On this podcast, we'll dig deep into what it means to constantly learn and evolve to be human. Every other week, I'll share some of my personal stories, interview inspiring people, and offer tools to help you learn more about yourself. Being on the front lines in the ER, you learn a lot about life and death. And though my philosophies were born in a busy emergency room, they can apply to anyone trying to live a joyful life here on Earth. Please listen, share, and subscribe to this podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Human School Podcast, and feel free to let me know what topics or guests you want to hear about. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate and review it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Human School. Well, it seems my schedule got away with me again. I ignored all of my basic rules and put too many tasks on my calendar for the last month. And here I am, tired and a little bit snappy. My only saving grace is that I'm about to go into a long period of time off, so I'll definitely be able to recover. But why can't I say no to things? Not even that, but actually volunteer to do things I know I don't have time for. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. In this day and age, we're all guilty of overscheduling and stretching ourselves too thin. The key is to recognize it and to constantly edit, edit, edit. So in this episode that I like to call Schedule is Life, we're going to talk about some ideas, but these are things that we actually really constantly have to do on a regular basis. For shift workers, like those that work in the ER, like me, schedule is life. I'd venture to say that for everyone, schedule is life, but that's just my type A personality talking. In my case, I have two work schedules that I balance as well as my personal life. The first work schedule is my ER shift schedule, and the other is my toxicology on-call schedule. To my family members who finally understand what that means, thank you, you know who you are. Actually, I'd say that the first step in all of this for everyone is to try to explain your work schedule to family and friends that you're close to. But please keep in mind that if they don't work shifts at weird hours, it'll take years and re-explaining it many times for them to really get it. This is probably one of the reasons why people in medicine tend to clump together. They understand each other's weird schedules. Every month, two of my best friends and I try to hang out. All three of us are moms and ER doctors, and every time we meet, at the end we pull out our calendars to come up with the next date we're all free for a lunch, dinner, or a walk, inevitably, 
That date will be a month in the future. Between our work and family commitments, we can't even meet more frequently. And we live five minutes away from each other. But we know to make those plans in advance because we love talking to each other so much. We're a support system and really need each other to survive. I'm sure you've been there and you have those people too. Pulling out those schedules when you're a shift worker is a real thing because we're not usually free when normal people are free and we're probably working off schedules and off shifts from each other. So to break my situation down, when I'm on call, that means my hospital can call me anytime in a 24-hour period to see toxicology patients. This can be from any part of the hospital, and I'm expected to provide recommendations for their care quickly and to see the patients in person as soon as possible. When I'm working an ED shift, I have a set time where I start work and then leave anywhere from five minutes to one hour after my shift is technically over. Staying one hour over is rare. The usual is about 10 to 20 minutes. There are many other ED jobs where you can't sign out pending cases and will end up staying one to two hours over on every shift. I used to work a job like that back in the day. Every place is different. There are many days where I'm both on call and happen to be working an ED shift. Those are my really busy days because I'll arrive earlier than my ED shift and stay much later after my shift is over to care for my toxicology patients. In addition to those set work duties, I have a ton of other tasks like administrative work, hospital committees, teaching, research, and writing that are a normal part of academic medicine. I'm not even getting into my personal life in that I'm a wife and a mother to a five-year-old with a larger extended family and friends that I actually want to spend time with. Clearly, I'm juggling a lot, and I'm sure you could see that with all that I've listed, I could easily never have a day off. But I do, and lots of them. We'll get into this in a few minutes. But first, remember that we're not defined by our work. We're defined by the whole of how we act and what we do, how we help others and live our lives. You can't have the clarity to know yourself and learn the things you need to learn in this life without mental space. What we're talking about today isn't just about organizing your calendar, but about organizing your mind. It's a clarity exercise. How do we open up that space in our minds? Let's start with the nitty gritty, your actual calendar. Do you use a paper wall calendar, paper-based planner, or electronic calendar like Apple Calendar, which I still call iCal, Outlook, or Google Calendar? Or do you use all of those? My sister has multiple paper calendars in her home and uses a physical planner and iCal. In our home, we have a beautiful wall calendar that we don't write anything on, we just stare at it because it's pretty, and everything goes in iCal. You can have multiple calendars or just one. The key is to keep them organized and up to date. Now, you may not want to hear this, but the closest people to you should have access to your work schedule. Whether that's a spouse or live-in partner, close family member, or partner that you don't live with, if that's a person you make plans with and talk to all the time, they need to know when you're working. I used to tell my husband my schedule verbally, like, I work 3 to 11 p.m. tomorrow, then 4 to midnight the next day, then I'm off for one, then back on at 2 p.m. the next day. 
Then, if he forgot, I'd get annoyed at him. As if he would remember that. I barely could remember that. Don't expect anyone other than you to memorize your schedule. Put it in a shared calendar. Trust me, you will avoid many arguments this way. Assign a color for your work and stick to it. If your work uses a scheduling software like Shift Admin or Amion, you can pipe it directly into any electronic calendar. I recommend doing that over hand entry. Why? Well, I don't know if you're like me, but when I get my shift schedule, I really see it as a rough draft. From the time when we make our shift requests to the department to when the schedule comes out, things come up and plans inevitably change. Instead of getting upset or frustrated, just look at your shift schedule like a rough draft and work out some mutually beneficial shift trades. This is a lot more difficult to do as a resident or in nursing when you have set shift days. But either way, little things may change. And instead of constantly adjusting your shift times, let the scheduling program automatically do it for you. If you manually input your work times into your calendar, then make sure you stay on top of work time changes. If you have a day when you're working from home or in the office, you can put those hours into your calendar too. Instead of choosing all day for those office home workdays, put in specific hours. This will give you a guidepost on what you're comfortable working that day. It'll also be helpful to know when your time is up and you can go do something fun. Back to the electronic calendar. The basics are that every work obligation and personal appointment should go in there. For us, each family member has their own color and my husband has his separate work calendar color and I have two work calendars, one color for emergency medicine and one color for toxicology. My sister uses a specific family color, which is for family events with all four of them. And her two kids and her and her husband each have a separate color for their individual events. Trips out of town get their own color. You get the gist. I'm going to add in another layer of detail now. This spring, as things began to get busier, my husband and I realized we needed a new way to remember who was dropping our kid off at school and who was picking him up in advance so that we could each plan our days better. School days are, of course, marked on the calendar with start and end times because, you know, sometimes the end times change, sometimes the start times change. On each school entry, we put two initials, one for who would do drop-off and one for pick-up. We did this one to two weeks in advance and really stuck to it. It helped us immensely. And that leads us to the weekly check-in. Every Sunday or Monday, I go through the week ahead and make sure the calendar is up to date and that we know what the week is going to look like. This is a good time to reconcile your paper planner or calendar with the electronic one if you're using paper. I'll go back to my sister as an example because she loves paper. She used to have an online Japanese stationery store. So she has a bunch of Japanese desk calendars everywhere and uses a planner. Some of us are tactile and need that visual sense of time. She puts tabs in for special events and vacations so that she can actually see things she's looking forward to instantly. She tracks moon phases, birthdays, other extras on paper, often with cute stickers. In addition, she uses the planner as a to-do list. In her case, 
The planner is more than just a calendar of events, but a true life organizer. She views the electronic calendar as more of a communication device. It's where the family goes to know what's happening. I myself am fully electronic with all of my organizing. In addition to using my calendar app with my shifts and call automatically piped into it, I use a list-making app to keep track of my many tasks. My current fave app is called To-Do, probably because I like the little chime that sounds when I cross something off the list. Sometimes I actually put something on the list I'm about to do just to be able to hear the chime when I cross it off. I know, I'm ridiculous. I've experimented with many other list-making apps in the past, and there's so many good ones out there. You can find the one that's right for you. I always tell people that if your request makes it on my list of things to do, it'll get done. If it doesn't, I'm pretty much definitely going to forget about it. Now, how do I use it? I have a to-do list for every aspect of my life, including work, podcasting, personal tasks. When I was renovating my home, that had its own list with many sublists. I do a lot of legal expert witness work, and each case gets its own list where I track materials I need to review, my hours for billing, if I've sent out invoices, and on and on. In my personal list, I have a list called Daily Things I Could Do For Myself that I talked about in a prior episode. This is not a list of things to check off, rather a list of 15 things as a reminder of what I enjoy or take pleasure in so that I can remember that the little things matter and that I did something good for myself that day. Basically, everything gets a list. I think you're kind of seeing how my brain works now, and this could be very different from how your brain works. So on that app, the things that are the most pressing get starred, like you can put a little star on them. Once they're starred, they're assigned an important status, and then you can look at those on their own important things list instead of sifting through the other 10 lists you might have. In addition, I input deadlines on any item that needs one, and you can see those dates on the list. Having the dates helps to put items in order so that you know what needs to be tackled next. Know that your list of things to do will never be empty. You're never going to cross everything off. There are always new things popping up. That is life. Actually, it's a good thing if your list isn't empty because it means you're making progress and moving things forward and doing things. But at least when you see them all down in one place, you can prioritize things better. Back to the calendar or your main life schedule. Here's where things get interesting. I don't just schedule days on, but I schedule days off. You can call them off days or zero days, meaning you do zero work. Either way, it's a clearly demarcated day off. This concept first came to me and my husband when we were on vacation in Europe. I just finished my residency, which was a four-year-long training program in emergency medicine, and we were taking a much-deserved 10-day break before moving and starting my toxicology fellowship. One day, we realized we'd been moving nonstop for a week, and I felt more tired during the trip than when I was at home being a resident. Even on vacation, we felt like we needed a vacation from vacationing. Why were we on vacation if we weren't even resting? So we just said, we're going to watch TV and eat in and maybe go on a walk. 
and it was the best day. We were fully rejuvenated afterwards. We decided for ourselves that every seven days on vacation, we needed a day off from everything. The zero day was born. You might be someone that is fully opposed to that concept, and that's fine. I know plenty of people who want to, quote, get the most out of their vacations by doing a ton of things. I'm just not that person. I'm a person who gets the most by getting rest. After this trip, I began to incorporate the zero day into my regular life schedule. At that time, I was a brand new fellow working a lot and could only do two days a month. It sounds kind of awful to only have two days off a month, but these are complete days off. I had plenty of days where I worked for a few hours or maybe half a day, so it's not like I was working non-stop all the time. This is about those days where you've told yourself, I'm doing nothing related to work. I won't even reply to emails or do a single meeting. These off days are marked as all-day events and even get their own color on my calendar. Since they're not always days off for my husband, it's not one of our shared calendars. It's almost like a placeholder for me to remember to not schedule any meetings or do major work activities on those days. And it works. You don't know when you're off if you don't know when you're on. I put in days on, then I see what days I can take off and mark those. Also, sidebar here, but if you're off and you have a small child, it's okay to take them to daycare that day or preschool. Just because you're off and a parent doesn't mean you have to be a parent on all of your times off. If you have the luxury of childcare, take it. As a working mom, it's easy to fall into the guilt trap of, if I'm not working in the hospital, I need to be mothering. However, I need to take care of myself too. And by taking care of myself, I'm able to care for my family better. It's okay to be off and be alone, or hang out with friends, or do something you're interested in. I believe that every person needs a specific number of days off per month in order to function at your best. I'm a person that actually needs a lot of rest. You wouldn't know it by looking at my CV, but I need a lot of downtime away from work. My magic number is to have at least 10 days off per month, or 10 zero days per month. Most months I have a little bit more. Then, on the days that I don't have marked as off, I do all my work and I don't feel as stressed about it because I know that's my allotted work time. In medicine, we always have more work or studying we can do. But there are limits to our brains. They are not infinite sponges and our bodies are not motors. We all need time off. Again, you just have to know when you're off and know when you're on to function at your best. Now, you may have a job right now or be at a point in your career where you genuinely feel you can't take that many days off per month. Firstly, I don't believe that. You can find one day in there somewhere. But then work on dividing your days into chunks on the calendar. Some weeks when I'm really busy, I'll put in time slots like 8 to noon, work, and then noon to 4, off. That way, I know how to outline my day and still get that time off to recharge and go on a bike ride or a hike, read a book, watch TV, or do whatever that makes me happy. It gives you the time to daydream, be creative, and think. Structure breeds spontaneity. Maybe you already have a fairly spontaneous lifestyle. 
Maybe you work some shifts and the rest of your time is absolutely free. I don't know a lot of people like that, probably since I'm deep in the trenches of clinical and academic medicine. For me, having that structure of knowing when I'm off lets me be more spontaneous. Then I could do more on my days off, knowing that I'm not required to do anything else those days. I refuse to have my many tasks looming over me constantly. I'll get to them on my days on. Sometimes you need a bigger chunk of time off in your schedule, rather than a few days or a vacation week here and there. I felt for a long time that I needed a longer break to reset myself, more like a sabbatical. In academics, traditionally, sabbaticals are thought of as work excursions. Someone would go somewhere else to teach or do research for six months or a year at another university. In the corporate world, this concept has been embraced by a few companies that give their employees one day off per week, for example, or a few months off in order to reset and refresh. One extreme example is the design firm of Stefan Sagmeister. He says, and I quote, Every seven years, I close the business for one year to pursue some little experiments, things that are always difficult to accomplish during the regular working year. In that year, we're not available for any of our clients. We are totally closed. And as you can imagine, it is a lovely and very energetic time. Last year, I proposed the new concept of a wellness sabbatical to my department chair and vice chair. This would be a paid month off for faculty to, as I put it, turn off to turn back on. Without any job responsibilities or anything really except to not work. We looked at our financials and came up with a plan that worked for everyone. The first faculty to take a sabbatical was this past March, and so far it's been a huge success. This June is my wellness sabbatical month, and I'll be doing just that, not working. I haven't had this much time off in over a decade. I'll be taking five weeks off from the podcast and back with a new episode on July 11. Let's see what new ideas pop up in the next five weeks. In the meantime, start organizing your calendar and your to-do lists in order to clarify your mind and open up space. Let me know how it goes, and see you next time. Please like, subscribe, share, and download the podcast. And again, you can find us at Human School Podcast on Instagram. I'd like to thank Dr. Zach Efron for the theme music of our podcast. And I'd just like to make a general disclaimer that any of the institutions I work for, including Community Regional Medical Center, UCSF, UCSF Fresno, and American Ambulance, have nothing to do with any of my thoughts or opinions, and so we'll kindly leave them out of this. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.